Let's head down to the southernmost state in the continental United States. Reedy, marshy, humid, hot. An alternate world where we can observe Florida man in his natural habitat. Florida man is a different breed of human. He does not follow the rules of civilized society. And unlike most nature documentary subjects, he's not difficult to find out in the wild. And at a far enough remove, he might even provide high comedy. Oh my god. Florida thief takes blowtorch to ATM. Welds it shut in. Authorities say two Florida burglars thought they were clever when they used a blowtorch to break into an ATM machine. But they never hit the jackpot. Instead of cutting the ATM with a blowtorch, authorities say the would-be thief welded the metal part shut and the pair left with nothing. Florida man calls 911 to brag after fleeing. Okay, yeah, we did this last week. Oh yes. This one, I love this one. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Florida man. Florida man accused of throwing corn on the cob at his mom during Memorial Day weekend. You get arrested for that? <laughs> the Pasco County Sheriff's Office arrested is Zephyr Hills, man. Cool, all right. The corn hit the top of his mother's head, but she didn't suffer any physical injuries on the Memorial Day weekend altercation. An arrest affidavit lists his occupation as cook. That corn was undercooked. <laughs> oh my God. Huh. Deputies were in for a surprise when a Florida woman pulled a small gator out of her pants during a traffic stop on Monday. The sheriff's office said they had simply asked the woman, do you have anything else prompting her to reveal? The alligator. Do you have anything else? What I'm about to tell you is a different kind of Florida man story. While it takes place in the NFL outpost of Jacksonville, it's both not nearly as funny and much more consequential than the standard run-of-the-mill Florida man stories read there by some reporters from First Coast News. The NBC affiliate in, where else? Jacksonville. This is what happens when power, fame, adulation, a decades-long career of being surrounded by yes-men goes to Florida man's head. This particular Florida man is a probable future college Hall of Famer. He won nearly 200 games at Bowling Green, Utah, the University of Florida, and Ohio State, and his teams have been crowned national champion three times. In January, he was hired to his first NFL head coaching job with the Jacksonville Jaguars. A few days after his hiring, Urban Meyer announced his coaching staff for the 2021 season, and that list included one person, Director of Sports Performance Chris Doyle, who probably should not have been hired, especially considering how he left his previous post as the strength and conditioning coach at the University of Iowa. Shortly before Doyle and Iowa reached what they referred to as a separation agreement back in June, less than a month after George Floyd's murder at the hands of Minneapolis police, and while Black Lives Matter protests were happening worldwide, a lawyer representing 13 black former Iowa football players filed a civil lawsuit alleging his clients were subject to racial discrimination during their time playing for Iowa's football team. Among the defendants, Chris Doyle. Before we get to the facts of what precipitated Doyle's exit from Iowa and why it matters in the context of Urban Meyer's hiring history, we should consider Florida Man's absolute stunning lack of self-awareness. 
On this episode of Wrecking the Toy Department, where we won't just stick to sports because we don't have the privilege of doing so, we're going to take a look at the damage wrought when Florida man holds the power to hire and fire and is more than happy to cast his quote-unquote core values aside whenever it suits him to do so. At this point, I'm going to assume that anyone who hasn't been living under a rock or getting their news solely from one American news network and or Newsmax for the past nine months understands, even Florida man, that George Floyd's murder was a moment of racial reckoning in America. This is what Urban Meyer said in his commencement address to the Ohio High School class of 2020 less than two weeks later. After these events of this past week, there's obviously so much more work to be done. Racism exists. It's evil, it's real, and it must be addressed. Those who violate our basic human rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness need to be held accountable. Justice must prevail. Each generation of our country's history has had significant challenges to overcome. This is your time, this is your generation, and this is your country. The issues are very complicated and serious. I, we believe in you. We ask you to step up to the challenges find solutions, and help our nation build a culture of respect for all. I want to address the black community. In my 50 plus years of playing and coaching, I was very fortunate, mostly because of the nature of athletics, to never look at one of my teammates, players, or staff as black, Hispanic, Polynesian, white, or any other race. We respected each person's journey and embraced their unique stories. Over the years, however, I have witnessed and heard from many of my players and coaches of their experiences of racism. For this, I want you to know I stand with you. I feel your pain. I speak for so many of my colleagues in the coaching profession that we are deeply concerned and want to make a difference. I present that clip of his speech without commentary, at least for the moment. Around that same time, Chris Doyle's former boss at Iowa, head football coach Kirk Ferentz, spoke with ESPN Sports Center anchor Scott Van Pelt. There's a lot more going on right now. I think it's more important. It all starts, I think, with listening, talking, talking candidly and listening to each other. And to that point, we, we as coaches have witnessed a lot of that with our, our the members of our team. Just really proud of them. That 15 seconds was the unintentional second domino that led to Chris Doyle's departure from Iowa. The first had come soon before when Ference addressed his players on a Zoom call shortly after George Floyd's death. The Des Moines Register obtained a transcript of the call in which Ference called the murder brutal, painful, and heartbreaking. Ference said, quote, I am a white football coach. I cannot begin to imagine what it is like to be pulled over for driving while black or to have people cross the street because they don't want to walk alongside you. And he ended the call by telling his team, quote, in our program, we will use this time to listen, understand and grow as individuals and as a team. Change will begin with us, unquote. Apparently, there were quite a few former Hawkeye football players who thought that change should have started well before 2020, and they were more than willing to suggest to Ference where he should start making those changes. Shortly after Ference's ESPN interview aired, former Hawkeye and current Chicago Bear James Daniels tweeted, quote, If the team collectively decides to kneel, this will bring about a cultural change for both Iowa football and the state of Iowa, which I believe is long overdue with three exclamation points at the end. Two days later, another former Iowa football player, Faith Ikakati, quote tweeted Ference's Sports Center appearance, writing, change begins with Doyle and his strength and conditioning staff. With that, the floodgates opened. 
Nine hours later, Daniels wrote something that would be retweeted nearly 700 times in a six-day span. Quote, There are too many racial disparities in the Iowa football program. Black players have been treated unfairly for far too long. Unquote. What followed were dozens of social media postings about the racist culture in the Iowa football program over the past 20 years. Mentioned as the foremost problem more than any other, Chris Doyle and the weight room he oversaw, followed by specific stories of racist behavior and bullying. A prime example is what Terrence Pryor, a Hawkeye linebacker from 2008 to 2011, wrote. I've read this dozens of times to myself and still can't wrap my head around it. Quote, while rehabbing after suffering a season-ending injury, I had the following conversation with Coach Doyle. Doyle, hey Pryor, you ever think that football isn't for you? Me, confused. Not at all. Why do you say that? Doyle, maybe you should take up rowing or something, you know? Oh wait, black people don't like boats and water, do they? What? And that's just one of many examples, each ugly, racist, and cringeworthy in its own way. Even Florida man Urban Meyer knows this behavior isn't right, or at least he pretended to back in June when he was telling Ohio's high school graduates this. Racism exists. It's evil, it's real, and it must be addressed. Seven months later, when he addressed the gathered media in January to announce Doyle's hiring, Florida man had conveniently, for him, completely forgotten what he told those students. I met with our staff about it, and I'm going to be very transparent with all the uh, players like I am with everything and uh, listen closely and learn. And also, there's going to have to be some trust in their head coach that we're going to give them the very best of the best. And time will tell. You know, once again, a, a player that's hurt and not performing or not maximized with strength and prehab ability so they're getting hurt or they're not performing at the highest level, I think is a high priority. You know, the allegations that took place, I, I will share, I vetted them. I know the person for close to 20 years and uh, I can assure them well, there will be nothing of any sort in the Jaguar facility. Wow. Florida man in full effect. I know this doesn't seem like normal Florida man behavior, the winsomely ignorant and stupid acts of robbers welding an ATM shut, or a man throwing an underdone ear of corn at a relative. Hiring Doyle and Meyer's explanation for doing so, on the other hand, are incredibly intellectually dishonest and psychologically violent, both to the players Doyle managed at Iowa and the ones he'd presumably be managing in Jacksonville. It's enough to make one want to ask Meyer, what the you think you're doing? Or can't you come up with a slightly better lie? And yet nobody in the Jaguars organization did, despite the fact their owner Shad Khan has spoken publicly about racism and the Jaguars marched to the state capitol last summer in a show of solidarity. But I guess that was then and this is now. Instead, it predictably fell to the Fritz Pollard Alliance, an organization comprised of NFL and other sports professionals committed to equal opportunity in the industry to speak up for what's right. The day of Doyle's hiring, the Alliance's executive director, Rod Graves, released this statement. Quote, At a time when the NFL has failed to solve its problem with racial hiring practices, it is simply unacceptable to welcome Chris Doyle into the ranks of NFL coaches. Doyle's departure from the University of Iowa reflected a tenure riddled with poor judgment and mistreatment of black players. His conduct should be as disqualifying for the NFL as it was for the University of Iowa. Urban Meyer's statement, 
I've known Chris for close to 20 years, reflects the good old boy network that is precisely the reason there is such a disparity in employment opportunities for black coaches. Unquote. I didn't need to spend any time talking to Doyle's former employees and hardly any on Google to find the double-digit count of complaints about his racist bullying behavior. As for Doyle's professional qualifications, it also didn't take much digging to find another serious public complaint about him, this one from 2011. That January, 13 Iowa football players were hospitalized with rhabdomyolysis, a rapid destruction of skeletal muscle that releases protein into the bloodstream. That hinders the kidney's ability to clear toxins. And this happened after a high-intensity workout led by, who else? Chris Doyle. Meyer's vetting, which he said was done in concert with Shad Khan and Jaguars general manager Trent Balky, turned up none of this because, of course, he didn't want it to. That's because of another of Meyer's Florida man traits, a bloated sense of self-assurance in this case that despite all evidence to the contrary, Doyle will behave for him. Essentially, that's the promise Meyer made in that press conference back in January. I'm sure that went over well in the Jaguars locker room because such promises have worked out so well before. Just ask Courtney Smith, the ex-wife of Zach Smith. Meyer has known Zach Smith since he played for Meyer at Bowling Green in the early 2000s. Smith later coached for Meyer at both Florida and Ohio State, and just happens to be the grandson of Meyer's mentor, former Ohio State head coach Earl Bruce. On May 12, 2018, police cited Zach Smith with misdemeanor trespass against Courtney Smith following a dispute between the two. Zach Smith's driving into the driveway of Courtney Smith's apartment building violated a 2015 restraining order she'd filed against him. On that occasion, Courtney Smith alleged that Zach Smith refused to return their son after a parental visit. The two were separated and told police he'd abused her on multiple occasions. On July 20th, 2018, Courtney Smith was granted an order of protection prohibiting Zach Smith from coming within 500 feet of her. She filed the claim saying she feared for her safety. On July 23rd, college football reporter Brent McMurphy reported that Urban Meyer knew of the 2015 domestic abuse allegations against Zach Smith. Just a week earlier during his 2018 Big Ten Media Day press conference, Meyer had denied knowing about them, adding that if he had, he would have fired Smith then. However, in his story, McMurphy published text between Courtney Smith and Urban Meyer's wife, Shelley Meyer, showing the full extent of Shelley Meyer's knowledge of the alleged abuse and her concern for Courtney Smith's safety. McMurphy also published a text chain between Courtney Smith and Lindsay Voltolini, wife of Brian Voltolini, who'd worked with Urban Meyer for 15 years at that point, showing that Urban Meyer had spoken with Zach Smith about the 2015 incident. That was not the only incident Urban Meyer knew about. Back in 2009, Zach Smith's fourth and final season as a coach at the University of Florida, Zach and Courtney Smith got into an argument during which, according to a police report, Zach, quote, picked Courtney up by grabbing her t-shirt and threw her against the bedroom wall, unquote. Let that one sink in, especially when you hear what came next. Again, during the 2018 Big Ten Media Day, Meyer said he and his wife, quote, advised for counseling and wanted to help the Smiths, unquote. A few days after Zach Smith's arrest, his grandfather and Urban Meyer's mentor, Earl Bruce, and Hiram DeFries, Urban Meyer's quote-unquote life coach, respectively, asked Courtney Smith to drop the charges. Courtney Smith later told McMurphy she felt DeFries pressured her to drop the charges and that, 
she relented. That 2009 incident, complete with the reference police report, it happened three years before Meyer rehired Zach Smith at Ohio State. Coincidentally, the same day in 2018 that McMurphy published his report, Ohio State fired Zach Smith. Shortly thereafter, the university suspended Meyer for three games before allowing him to coach out the rest of the season and then leave on his own terms. In his retirement announcement, Meyer said he was stepping down for health reasons. He couldn't even maintain that lie for the duration of one press conference. Play Hall, ABC 6, Fox 28, the football fever, Urban... Um Congratulations on your tenure here. When did it become clear to you that it was time to uh, to step down? And are you at peace with it, unlike some other exits? Um, is this it, truly it, for, for your football career? That's a complicated uh, question. Meyer then spent the next minute and a half doing everything but answering the question. He never even addressed whether his coaching career might in fact be over, leading to this follow-up from the same reporter and, finally, a more definitive answer from Meyer regarding his future. Sounds like you're not vanishing from the scene, though. I hope not. I, I, uh, God has a plan. I'm not quite sure what that is. Gene and I are extremely close, and we discussed that, and uh, I hope to stay involved. But that's par for the course for Florida Man, who is yet another striking feature we have yet to discuss, the way he tries to weasel his way out of trouble. In actuality, Meyer's hand was forced because being a Florida Man had caught up with him again. The story he told about stepping down for health reasons is as flimsy and self-serving as the answers he gave ESPN reporter Tom Rinaldi in a September 2018 interview. Remember, at the time of this interview, Meyer had been suspended by Ohio State for allegedly lying about what he knew and when he knew it. Given the 2009 arrest, Urban, you left Florida after you returned to coaching at Ohio State. What reservations, if any, did you have about hiring Zach Smith again? So I wanted to have someone with some familiarity to my offense, and, uh, and Zach seemed like a guy that was doing very well. And I checked on him, did background checks with the coaches he worked with. It came back very high very high marks, and so I made the decision to hire him at Ohio State. How do you view that decision now? Oh, bad decision. What did you tell your boss, Athletic Director Gene Smith, about the 2009 arrest when you hired Zach Smith at Ohio State? I recall I didn't tell him. But you knew about it. Why not tell him? In hindsight, I should have. Why didn't you? I can't, once again, I can't recall why. Uh, That was uh, several years ago. I just can't tell you exactly what my mindset was at the time. You put your core values for the football program on the wall at the Woody Hayes Center, printed in all caps for everybody to see. What are the first two values? Honesty is number one and uh, respect women number two. Honesty and treat women with respect. Through the course of these events involving Zach and Courtney Smith, How do you think you honored those values? I still hold those values so firm, so strong, and I apologize for uh, the perception that I don't. You know, I... uh, You you apologize for the perception. What is the perception? That as a result of this investigation and this situation that I did not take that seriously. Oh, optics and perception. Yes, that's the real issue in how he dealt with Zach and Courtney Smith over the previous decade. Oh, and about those core values he pretends to hold so close to his heart? Let me repeat the first two for you here in case they were lost amid Meyer's blizzard of They are as follows. Honesty. Yeah. 
Treat women with respect. Not so much on that one either. Respecting women means believing and supporting them, especially when they're at their most vulnerable. But believing others when it's not in his personal interest to do so has never been Urban Meyer's strong suit, just as it wasn't when he decided to hire Chris Doyle. For him to say this allegations, nothing was disputed. There's a reason the school got rid of him. They knew they had to. They knew this was real. Everybody's coming out of the woodwork. Everybody had a story like, oh, that guy? That guy's totally racist. That guy's a complete bully. And I just don't see players doing that type of thing unless it's warranted. Why would you stick your your neck out for yourself in in a climate where you know you're going to get a lot of criticism unless unless it was necessary, unless you felt like you weren't the only one who had gone through something? I I listen to players when it comes to this kind of stuff. Dan Bernstein and Layla Rahimi there, co-hosts of Chicago 670 The Scores Bernstein and Rahimi show, on why they believe the players who spoke up about Doyle's actions at Iowa the same people Urban Meyer discounted and ignored, much like he did Courtney Smith. To loosely quote what USA Today sports columnist Nancy Armour wrote after Meyer's suspension, but before his quote-unquote retirement, if I told anyone I'd been robbed or sideswiped, only a social delinquent would respond by asking if I'd left my window open, parked too far from the curb, or otherwise tempted the thief in question. Yet, that's effectively what Meyer did to Courtney Smith. He didn't respect her when he decided not to trust that 2009 police report. Either that or throwing a woman against a wall doesn't qualify as abuse in his eyes. And if that doesn't, I really don't want to imagine what would. And we'll come back to this in a moment. Meyer didn't support Courtney Smith either. He kept her abuser employed despite knowing about his 2009 attack on her and then rehired him in 2012. Meyer's reasoning was that he wanted Zach Smith to be able to support his family whatever that means. Meyer has lamented what happened to Courtney Smith, but never, despite multiple occasions to do so, has he ever publicly apologized to her. Which brings us to his third core value. No drugs, no stealing, no weapons. Ha! There's a lot of faux paternalism in the college coaching profession. Coaches say they think of their players as sons and that they try to act accordingly as father figures. But they do come by some of this BS honestly, because when they go to a high school recruit's home to talk to his parents, they have to sell those adults on the fact that they will look out for their sons once they get to college. Yet another test Urban Meyer repeatedly failed. During a six-month tenure at the University of Florida, 31 players were arrested for offenses ranging from a gun charge, weapons, five arrests for either theft or burglary, stealing, six more for alcohol and marijuana, drugs, slapping a woman and scratching another, violating a sexual restraining order, domestic abuse, domestic battery, and the coup de grace felony stalking. According to Gainesville Police in September 2010, Chris Rainey sent the woman he dated on and off for the previous three years a text message that read, Time to die, after leaving her home. Despite the fact that both Meyer and Florida offensive coordinator Steve Adazio both hinted a few days later that Rainey was gone from the team, he ended up being suspended for just four games. And that hadn't been his only violation of Urban Meyer's quote-unquote core values. There's more on this very special episode of Florida Man Respects Women. 
Previous to that 2010 incident, Rainey had spoken publicly about the attractiveness of University of Florida women and the type he preferred to date. Meyer's public response, quote, It's our fault for letting him speak once a year. I can name some other things he said to the media too that is absolutely inappropriate. So take what he says for nothing. Absolutely wrong. Inappropriate, wrong, non-thought out. Which he does quite often. And I love Chris Rainey. When I ask him a question, I give him a whole day to think about it and write it down a hundred times, unquote. (laughs) At the end of the 2010 season, Meyer stepped down from his post at Florida, citing a desire to spend more time with his family. An empty pledge that lasted nine months before he was hired at Ohio State. Was there really a need to question why Urban Meyer would think it was perfectly fine to hire a racist boy as his director of sports performance in Jacksonville? Sounding a positive note, Meyer told reporters, quote, time will tell regarding his decision to hire Doyle. So it was probably quite a surprise to find out, shortly after the hiring was announced, via News 4 in Jacksonville, that Chris Doyle had resigned. Could be one of the shortest tenures of a coach in the history of the NFL. 24 hours after the Jags announced Chris Doyle would become the team's director of sports performance, Doyle resigned. This is the statement Jags head coach Urban Meyer and general manager Trent Baalke released in regard to Doyle's resignation. Quote, Chris did not want to be a distraction to what we are building in Jacksonville. We are responsible for all aspects of our program and in retrospect should have given greater consideration to how his appointment may have affected all involved. End of quote. This was a stunning reversal from 24 hours earlier when Meyer said he thoroughly vetted Doyle's hire and that he has known Doyle for nearly 20 years. Meyer obviously didn't see that plot twist coming, but Mike Wilbon, co-host of ESPN's Pardon the Interruption, speaking here on the Tony Kornheiser show, says he absolutely should have. I had a former player who is a former NFL player who's white get in touch with me over the weekend and he said, how is it that Urban Meyer Given the people that he knows and has coached and has coached with, how is it that Urban Meyer doesn't have someone in his life who's black, who he called on the phone and said to, hey, I'm thinking about hiring this guy, Chris Doyle. What do you, what do you think? How is it he doesn't have that? And I, I, that's a great question. And, it, and I think you will agree, a legit question. Like totally legit. Why conversation, why wouldn't that... It, why wouldn't that, that conversation have taken place, given Urban Meyer's vast experience in football? The answer to Wilbon's question is that Meyer, relying solely on his own abilities as a judge of character, manager, and salesman, as well as his overall brilliance, didn't think he needed a second opinion. Who was going to tell him otherwise? If not team owner Shad Khan, then certainly nobody else. Despite his cover as a lead investor in the Black News Channel, Khan didn't overrule his new coach's decision to hire a racist bully. Of course, it would be foolhardy to have expected him to do so. In 2019, under his ownership, the club was found to have improperly required players to rehabilitate off-season injuries at the team's facility and find players who didn't. The NFL Players Association revealed that more than 25% of the total grievances filed by all NFL players in the two years prior to December 2019 were against the Jaguars. The NFLPA then made the extraordinary move to advise free agents not to sign with Jacksonville. They haven't. 
Even that embarrassment has failed to move the Florida men who run the Jaguars. As Wilbon told Kornheiser, this approach to business management is of a type that permeates the NFL. This is the culture of the NFL. It's okay. It's okay to think like this, talk like this, hire like this. It's okay. That's why Florida man not only survives, but flourishes in the NFL. It's his natural habitat. Heading into the 2020 NFL season, the league had three black coaches, Brian Flores, Anthony Lynn, and Mike Tomlin. At the end of the season, seven NFL head coaches were fired. Among them was Lynn. In four years, he had two winning seasons, and in 2018, the Chargers advanced the AFC Divisional Round for the first time in five years. Since then, they fell on hard times. Whether Lynn was a good head coach or not is up for debate, but he's certainly better than the Detroit Lions' new coach, Dan Campbell, one of the six non-black head coaches hired this offseason in a majority black league. When the Miami Dolphins fired Joe Philbin four games into the 2015 season, Campbell, who was named the interim head coach, had been the team's tight end coach for four-plus seasons at the time. He went 5-7 and seven and was not retained as head coach when the season ended. He has still never been an NFL coordinator, and yet the Lions handed the man who said this in his introductory news conference a six-year deal. This team's going to be built on, uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right. And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right. And we're going to stand up and then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap and we're going to get up and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you before, before long, we're going to be the last one standing. All right. That's going to be the mentality. After hearing that, would anyone believe this man interviews well? And yet, we are repeatedly told that the black men being considered for head coaching positions are being passed over because they don't interview well or lack a certain mean of leadership ability. Seriously? There's a reason why men like Campbell, Jim Tom Sula, Adam Gase, and Mark Tressman, the creme de la creme of NFL head coaches, get opportunities, sometimes more than one. And there's also a reason Texas head coach David Culley, who's worked professionally in football since 1978 and in the NFL for the past 27 years, had to wait until age 65, retirement age for most Americans, to get his first and probably only shot as an NFL head coach. With a team whose star quarterback has requested a trade and publicly said he has no intention of ever suiting up for the Texans again. If you're wondering why these types of hiring decisions are commonplace in the NFL, just ask Urban Meyer or refer to these five letters, WWFMD or what would do. This episode of Wrecking the Toy Department was written, voiced, edited, and produced by me, Jake Williams. Thanks as well to Kevin McLeod for the following musical compositions, The Sky of Our Ancestors, Sneaky Snitch, Memory Lane, and Work is Work. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend and leave a review and rating on iTunes. Thank you for listening.